Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. 6 in Edmonton. Oilers now brought to you by Digitex. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. It is Brendan Escott here this week, next week, perhaps even the week after that. We shall see. Uh, you want to keep in touch? You can do so on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, 780-496-0063. Been talking about some of the contracts handed out to restricted free agents around the NHL. You just heard from the newest Oilers signee, Brendan Perlini, who uh, was talking about trying to reinvent his game back on the North American ice surface after a year away in Switzerland says that he picked up a lot of, um, what would we call them, healthy hockey habits out on the ice in his time away. I think it was just a little bit of a different role. He talked about penalty killing, things he's going to be expected to do if he cracks the you know, the, the fourth line on the Oilers. And that might be where they decided he was worth a look. Not only the familiarity with Dave Tippett, but also his willingness to slide into a different role. And, you know, if he's known for his skating, and he's 6'3", 215, did you just find a cheaper version of Warren Fogle, who's probably going to produce a lot less, but a depth option down there? I don't mind the pick. I don't mind the pick up. You're going to hear from... Uh, well, we heard from Stuart Skinner as well. You're going to hear from uh, Oilers television host Tony Brar coming up after the 1.30 news as he's uh, playing and representing Edmonton on the uh, Edmonton BHC ball hockey team. They're at Nationals right now down in Calgary. Had a big win, 2-1 last night, hanging on for the victory. Uh, Tony had one of the goals, if I'm not mistaken. So we'll chat with him uh, a little bit about that, and then uh, as well, we'll we'll get his take on some Oilers topics. But... As it stands right now, we're going to delve back into Champions Week replay. And for that, as you know, if you listened to the show yesterday, we uh, we hearken back to uh, some of the great storytelling that we had on a, a feature about a year and a half ago. And uh, Grant Fear, the latest installment talking about uh, the Dynasty victories, the Canada Cup in 1987 and much more. Four of the Oilers Stanley Cup championships were won between the dates of May 24th and May the 31st, including the Oilers' 1988 title that was won 32 years ago today. The man in between the pipes, he had 75 appearances that year in the regular season. He was the first team all-star in the NHL. Grant Fear joins us right now on Oilers Now. Grant, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Bob. How about you? Well, uh, all things considered... Not too bad. We're going to hit on your uh, uh, a new thing you're involved with a little bit later on as well, the three-on-three. Three. Uh, but first question i got to ask you, uh, are, where are, are you in a place where you're able to golf a fair amount right now? Oh, I am. I'm down in Palm Desert. So our golf course has been open here for oh, about a month or so. So we've got a fair amount of golf in the last three weeks. Uh, what's uh, it's it's been a bit of a uh, well. It was raining this morning. It's about I don't know about eight or nine degrees right now. What's the weather like out there in Palm Desert? Uh, we got a little heat wave rolling in this week. I think we're supposed to be up around one ten all week. 
Okay, well. A little toasty. little toasty. Uh, today, 32 years ago today, you guys won your fourth Stanley Cup championship in five years. Um, you beat Boston. It was sort of a crazy set of circumstances uh, because of the fact the night the lights went out in Boston. I, and I got to start it there, really. I mean, we'll talk about how good the team was and whether or not the team's maybe underrated in, you know, sort of Oilers uh, lore. But the night the light went out in Boston, what were you thinking in the dressing room? Uh, and how quickly did you guys realize that you weren't going to finish the game and you're going to end up hopping on the bird and flying back to, uh, to Edmonton to uh, play another game four? Obviously, it was a little strange. I mean, you don't expect that to happen in an arena, but Boston Garden's an old building, and strange things happen there. So that was one of those things. But I think we sat around for a couple hours waiting to see what was going to happen. So we had no idea as players. Did you uh, – I know it t- a couple times they had to have the players out on the ice because there was fog. Were you having any problems at all picking the puck up? Uh, you know, it, it's different than no fog, but at the same time, you're focused on things, so you, you can still see the pocket because you can still see people's feet and stuff. But, yeah, it was a little bit different. Yeah, so you guys come back, and you end up, Grant, in uh, in Edmonton, and really, you're, you know, by the end of the first period, end of the early second, it was fairly apparent what was going to happen, that you were going to seal the deal here. Uh, the team swept Calgary in four straight, and you swept Boston in four straight. Calgary had the best record in the NHL. Boston had the fourth best record. They had beaten Montreal, who had the second best record. You guys had the third best record. 16 and 2 record. You were with, you know, you're on the team all the five Stanley Cup years. Is the 1988 team a little, um, maybe, you know, not that they're not respected, but people maybe overlook them a bit when they think of the great, because the 85 team got the vote for the best team ever. I personally think the 87 team was the best team ever. You just played a really good goalie in the other net that didn't allow Philly to get blown out, Ron Hextall. But is the 88 team that went 16-2, and is that maybe, I mean, the records suggest they might be the best team. Well, it's a team that maybe gets lost in the shuffle a little bit, but I, it was, Again, it was another group of talented guys that we played a style of hockey that attacked all the time. Was your defense without Paul Coffey there? I mean, Steve Smith had sort of worked his way into the shutdown guy against Cam Neely in 88-90. Did you guys have a better handle? You said you attacked all the time, but did you know how to win more by years 1988-1990 because you'd won before? You had that experience, and had the defense changed a little bit, and were they a little bit more capable of suffocating than maybe in past years? I think we could play better defense than past years. I mean, we still attacked even with our defensemen. I mean, if I watched the other day, I watched a little bit of the highlights of it, and you still see defensemen down on the slot. Randy Gregg was down in there. You even saw Craig Manny down in there once or twice. So we still attacked a lot, but we could play good defense in our own end. I mean, we played a, probably played a meaner game in our own end at that time. Yeah, there was no question. I mean, Steve, and and, and we're going to have Steve Smith on Friday. And, uh, you know, for me, one of the great moments in Oilers history is when Wayne Gretzky hands him the trophy after the 87 championship. But you've got to give a guy like that credit overcoming, you know, what happened in 1986 and banking that pocket off you and willing himself to continuously improve to be the level of defenseman that he was with Edmonton. And, in fact, with Chicago as well. I mean, he helped them get to some Stanley Cups as well. Oh, no, Smitty was a great defenseman. And the great thing about Steve is he had a lot of confidence in himself. I mean, what happened in 86, 
could have ruined the guy without lesser confidence. So the fact that he came back and played as well as he did, became as dominant as he did, shows what good character he had. We're joined by Grant Fuhr on the uh, a bit of an Oilers alumni feature during this week, Champions Week on Oilers now. Grant, 75 appearances in the 87-88 season. Were you exhausted by the end of the year or were you fine? No, I was fine. I had a ball doing that. I mean, I think it was a lot of fun to play a bunch of games. So it's a year where you kind of get in a groove, and when you're playing that much, you never really get out of a groove. Was there at any point you're thinking, or did you go at any stage during the season of slots and say, hey, I might need a bit of a break here. You might need, was it Daryl? I'm trying to think of who the backup was. But Well, I guess Ranford came in in the trade for the playoffs, but I think it was Daryl Ray during the course of the year, wasn't it, that year? It was. And I think, if I remember, we just come off Canada Cup too. So yeah. we logged a little bit of ice time that year. But it, you know what? It was fun to play heavy workload. I mean, all the years up until that point, you play 45, 50 games. But to actually be able to play 75 and to see if I could do it was fun. Yeah. You mentioned Canada Cup, three games. A lot of people think that's the best hockey that's ever played. You know what? When I watched, uh, TSN had it on last, uh, a couple of weeks, uh, weekends ago. Vladimir Krutov was not an impactful NHL player, but he was really good against you guys, wasn't he? He was very good. I mean, you put Krutov, Larionov, and Makarov together, and they all read very well off of each other. And I think that's what made them such good players, is they could read off each other. It was kind of like Wayne and Yari, where they just knew where each other was going to be. Do you think it would have been as close if you guys had spent years playing together, like several of their, uh, you know, their five-man groups at? Um, I think it still would have been, I don't know if it would have been as close, but it still would have been close. Yeah. I mean, they were a very talented group. So, yeah, our guys were as talented, if not more talented. So a little more cohesiveness, a little more time together might have made us a little better. Grant, you're down 3 nothing in game three. Are you thinking you're in trouble at that point, or did you think you guys had the horses to get back in it? Oh, no. We definitely had the horses. I mean, if you looked at all the guys we had on that team, having the horses wasn't the issue. I mean, yeah, we get off to a little bit of a slow start, but at the same time, we knew we could score goals in bunches. So it was just a matter of trying to keep it to that point. Wayne has talked about it and often credited, you know, you know, we all know it was the breakout from Mario Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky played a factor in that. And Messi and Anderson were played a lot with Mike Gartner. But Wayne talks about Brent Sutter. You know, and, and sort of what he brought. And, you know, him and Tockett were part of the guys that got you guys back in. And Tockett was injured during the course of that series. They helped get, get you guys back in it, didn't they? They did. And that's the funny part about that team is you had guys that played in different positions that had never played the positions. I mean, Dale Howardchuk became a winger. So it did guys that played out of position but would do anything it took for the team to win. And I think that's what made us such a good team, even if it was only thrown together in a couple of weeks. Six five six five six five for a goal. To, does that just does it? If if there's something that you could educate our our you know if we got uh, you know kids that are playing the goal position right now, you can't let the one that you just gave up bug you too much, can you? No, I mean it's bend don't break, and I'm kind of the oddball as a goalie that I like offensive hockey. So whether it be seven six two one doesn't matter to me. It's all about winning. And if you give up one less, then you've done your job.
And that's all part of it. Now, I just want to circle back to 1988. I tweeted out the picture today. Now, a lot of people credit. They say it's the first time the team was all called together. And somebody brought up the Maple Leafs apparently did it back in, 60s, in the 60s. But Wayne got it started again. Of course, when you guys won in 84, 85, Grant, there were guys, there were fans all over the ice. So it, 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 it's kind of, when you watch the video for that, you must just shake your head. How much of a you-know-what show was it on the ice when you guys were, were winning at, uh, uh, you know, Rexall Place or what was then Northland's uh, Coliseum back in 1984-85, and you're joined by 300 or 400 of your best friends. A little bit of chaos. I mean, it's not something that you expect to have happen, but at the same time, it kind of added to it a little bit. I mean, yeah, it would have been fun to celebrate together, but it's also fun to celebrate with the fans, so I think we all enjoyed it. And that was part of your era of Edmonton Oiler players, isn't it? You guys did often over the course of the next week at several different establishments celebrate with the fans. Well, that was the fun of our team. As we like to say, we used to hide in plain sight. You were part of the family. And we treated the fans as if they were part of us, and they treated us like we were part of them. So we like to spend time with the fans. All right. Switching focus, Grant, we appreciate you taking time to join us on Champions Week. Uh, there is a new three-on-three professional hockey league, and they've appointed eight Hall of Famers as head coaches. They're set to play in June 2021 in cities across uh, North America. How did you get involved with this? Uh, Craig Patrick had asked me if I'd be interested in maybe taking a look at coaching one of the teams. And I enjoy offensive hockey having played Edmonton for a long time and actually loving offensive hockey. Three-on-three is all about offense. It's about speed. It's about puck control, and I enjoy that. So I thought it would be a great opportunity to have some fun and get back in the game again. Did Now, you know, as you know, I spent a lot of years at the U of A, and uh, Perry Pern was at Nate, and a lot of people have credited Perry with being one of the drivers for three-on-three. And you actually had three-on-three conditioning camps. All that stuff kind of, did that occur after? uh, Like, was there three-on-three going on when you were in a conditioning camp in uh, in September? I don't know if you ever did the ones with Kevin Primo over at the U of A in the, uh, I guess it would have been the 1990s, because he still would have been playing at that stage but were you ever part of like three-on-three conditioning camps when you played uh with the Oilers we played a little bit of three-on-three camp sometimes okay. where one it was just more for fun than anything but it was also a good way for the guys to get in shape but it was good offense and perry started running his conditioning camp three-on-three so i mean if anybody that's played it realizes how fast it can be and how much work it is so it makes it a lot of fun and entertaining well, I can personally tell you that uh, I used to sk- the Bears would play three on three, and I was doing their games, and a couple times they were short of guys, so then I would be the extra guy, and I got absolutely obliterated out there. Like, and again, these guys were college level players on a pretty good team, but it is hard. I mean, it is physically taxing uh, to play three on three, and it does tend to be higher scoring. Now they're gonna are they're gonna go to nine different cities, or how's all that gonna work, Grant? Like, is it? Is it going to rotate sort of week to week? Is that how you guys are going to do it? It is. We're going to go from city to city for nine weeks. And basically, we're taking the show from city to city. So you've got eight teams that are going to play each weekend. And the winning team, you try and have a winning team at the end of every weekend. So statistics will be based off of each week. And it's going to be a lot of fun. 
some of the other guys that are involved in this, Guy Carboneau, Eddie Johnston, uh, John LeClaire, Joey Mullen, Larry Murphy, uh, and Angela Ruggiero, who when she grew up in California was better than all of the boys on her team until she was about 15, I'm told. I know Gable Gross uh, played for the Kamloops Blazers. He played against her, and, she's, and he said, Bob, Angela just used to run our show. It was embarrassing. Brian Trache, so we can have a little bit of the Edmonton Islander thing as well. Where are you guys going to get your players from for this? Well, I think what they're hoping for is we're going to find free agents in that 25 to 35 range. You're going to have guys that are just retiring. But it's going to be an offensive-bound league. So guys are going to have to be able to skate. They're going to have to be able to handle a puck. So it's a good place for guys that maybe don't have contracts to showcase themselves for other teams to see. That is Grant Fear in conversation with Bob Stoffer. Uh, the three-on-three league they're talking about there, Cody, I don't think that that has come to fruition in the time since that conversation was had. No, no, definitely not. All right, well, let's clear that up right now. Uh, there's an old saying in the car business, cars cost less in Wetaskiwin. Brent Ridge Ford in Wetaskiwin is committed to providing unequaled automotive excellence, resulting in completely satisfied lifetime customers. If you currently have a vehicle, you're not using enough, or you're payments or your interest rates too high you're thinking about selling maybe refinancing or trading it in for something different you better go visit uncle milt's rich johnny and the gang at brent ridge ford or call them at 1-877-477-3673 or visit brentridge.com Oilers now injury report would be typically featured but uh, nothing really doing with the nhl season in a bit of a lull right now. That's brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law when accidents happen. Go to jameshbrown.com. Let's press pause here on Oilers Now. We'll come back with some text of yours on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. 125 in Edmonton. Brendan Escott alongside Cody Jansen this week. We've heard from Grant Fear. We've heard from Brendan Perlini. A couple comments from Stuart Skinner as well as um, some minor tr- transactions trickled in over the weekend. Went around the league this morning and uh, a lot of goaltenders getting snapped up in the NHL circuit. Uh, guys securing their goaltenders of the future on, on second contracts. Carter Hart sticking around in Philly. Shesterkin sticking around for a while in New York. And now Ilya Samsonov. Honestly, I thought Samsonov would have gotten more. He was drafted in the first round. I think this is a player that the Oilers may have had aspirations for in that draft once upon a time. But he was a slower developing project, playing over in Russia, comes over, and uh, maybe he hasn't quite delivered on the promise that we once thought. You're the goaltending expert. What do you think? (laughs) Expert is a wild thing to say here. But I think it was Alan May who brought it up on the show talking about Sam Solov, and maybe there's a little disconnect between him and the club. Obviously, there was the COVID issues this season, maybe a couple other disciplinary things that they had to straighten out with him. So I wonder if that kind of brought the number down a little bit being like hey maybe we give him a year to prove himself maybe he grows up a little bit I don't know I I think that makes sense to me if they had the confidence in him that I think they would have expected to at this point they would not have gone out and re-signed Vitek Vanasek who had a great year last year I like Vanacek. I, I really think that he is a good young goaltender. I was excited for him when Seattle took him, but obviously they get Grubauer, so it makes sense for them to ship him back to Washington. And clearly, if they're reacquiring him, 
that's how they know that, hey, you know, we, we think we've got something in this kid as well. And maybe he does push Samsonov for starts this year. I think that's possible. I think that's probably their best case scenario. Again, when you get two players performing at, and I wouldn't have felt this way years ago, but we're at the point in the NHL where I think that, you know, that internal competition and you get a guy that's, because you're either going to push that player in front of you to be better, or you're going to push them out of a job and then the team's better anyway. So that's that to me, that's what you're trying to line yourself up for. And because they're so close in age, Samsonov and Vanacek, that, uh, it makes a lot of sense. Outside of Buffalo, is that the cheapest goaltending tandem in the league, though? Because I think Vanacek's under 800K, if I'm right, plus Samsonov's 2 million. Like, that's a pretty cheap goaltending tandem for a team like Washington, who does have playoff potential still. I know they're aging. I know that they've lost some key pieces. But again, they are somewhat of a contender. And you'd better you'd better be saving money somewhere when you're paying 34 or 35 year old Alex Ovechkin 10 sheets a year. You'd better be salvaging that money somewhere. Now we'll see what happens with Evgeny Kuznetsov because it doesn't seem like that's necessarily a fit at this point. Uh, it's been rumored this offseason he might be on his way out of town. Might that spell something interesting? But even then, your goaltending duo is set if you're the Washington Capitals. Simply put. Yeah, I think where there's smoke, there's fire with Kuznetsov. We don't really need to dive into that one. But I think that they would be happy if they could move him and get a decent return this offseason. Yeah, it might be best case scenario. Don't get too excited, though, Oilers fans. I, I That might be like oil and vinegar here as far as what the the Oilers have brewing. It is 12, or rather 128 in Edmonton. We're going to hear uh, from a bit of a different perspective on the ball hockey nationals. How about a, a competitor? But somebody you're familiar with if you're an Oilers fan, that's Tony Brar from Oilers TV, also of Edmonton BHC, who is representing down the QE2. We'll come back after a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.